and welcome to yet another awesome episode of the Foodie Flashback, the podcast where we talk about food and food-related memories with a very interesting guest. And today's guest is Simon Purnell. How are you doing? Ah, hi, Patrice. Glad to be on. Thanks for being here. Um, we know each other through various other podcasts, so this is kind of one of those meta meta things again. <laughs> Yep, that, that is true. Um, obviously, I've followed you on the British Tech Network, for, you know, a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up doing the Essential Apple podcast as a weird kind of, um, as a weird tale to that, because originally Carl, Carl Madden mm -hmm. started the um, Mac and Forth show, yep, I which I that. followed. Yeah, and I... I um, I was like in the background of that. I was uh, when in the early days when they used to record live mm -hmm. um, on a Tuesday evening. I used to be in the chat room, and sometimes Carl would pretend, especially in the first few episodes, he'd pretend that I was more than one person because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes there was only me. But um, <laughs> then um, he he kind of stopped doing the Mac and forth for a while and mm -hmm. started the essential apple. And, um, he started that with, uh, Mark Chapel and then Carl decided to go back to doing the Mac and forth in a slightly different format. Mm -hmm. And I kind of became, uh, co-host with Mark. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then after a while, Mark had some, um, some issues of his own in his personal life. So, I said to him, well, if you need to step back, just take a step back and come on when you, you know, when you feel free. So mm -hmm. I ended up being the host. So <laughs> it's funny not quite the was. accident. Yeah. Not quite the accidental, you know, tech podcast, but it's the <laughs> accidental podcast. Let's put yeah, it that way. I have very similar stories. Like it's kind of how I stumbled into podcasting. It's very similar. Like I was, I was on, um, I was watching, uh, as you like watching tour TV live. Uh, every Wednesday, like Wednesday night, uh, back when Tua was still a thing, <laughs> which is a long time. I mean, I think they shut down like six, seven years ago. So that's been a while, like 20, 2011, 2012 time. And there was one show where I think Steve couldn't do it or something. And we decided to still do it without him. And I was asked to join, like, because I was in a chat room all the time. And yeah. I did I did a show with I think with Doc and me and that's how how it started and then I like he introduced me to BTN and like all of that, but it was kind of a yeah. random thing like just a it's kind of how it goes and you yeah. you kind of then you contact people who you mm -hmm. know or listen to and say I've got this podcast would you come on exactly. and they say oh yeah all right and then before you know it you've got this whole kind of thing with you know there's you and Chuck and mm -hmm. Jeff and. Yeah, Kelly, and you end up with a whole crew. Of people exactly. Like I don't know on. how many people in how many podcasts I know. But like I get invited to them all all the time, and that's kind of how you're here because I was on the Essential Apple, and uh, indeed you were. And I mentioned this podcast, and you said yes, I want to talk about food, and that's why we're here today. Indeed, it is. That yes. is why we're here. So um, let's start like with your like very early memories or anything like how like what's the earliest thing you remember food wise like cook did you cook with someone like your grandma for example or uh, not 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 particularly um, I remember my grandmother's food from mm -hmm. when I was small um, obviously I, I remember my mother's cooking from when I was a bit older but from when I was small i think the things i remember most is um my grandmother used to make always make like a, a beef casserole mm -hmm. um which was very traditional british mm -hmm. you know uh and my grandmother grew up between the wars so um her cooking was very trad english so her her beef casserole would be, you know, braising steak and onions and carrots mm -hmm. and not much else. Um, <laughs> not much else, yeah. Not much else, you know, just beef and onions and carrots mm -hmm. and then maybe peas and potatoes on the side. Um, but the other thing that she used to make all the time when we were little was um, 
bread and butter pudding with oh, yeah. proper egg, mm-hmm. yeah, with proper egg custard. So it would be real egg custard with sultanas, um, bread and butter. Yeah, just very traditional. Um, and in the in the autumn time, and they're a right fag to do, which is why I never do them. But she used to make baked apples where you call the you get a big mm-hmm. Bramley apple and you take the core out and you stuff it with brown sugar and minced meat and yeah. mixed fruit, mixed fruit and, and yeah. then bake it for, for hours until it's <laughs> soft. Yeah, I do remember that it, too. Like there was something custard. There was something when I was little that we used to make in school even. Like yeah. for this time of the year, like fall times is like the traditional yeah, very, very much so. Not mm. it's not something you see very often now, mostly because no. it's a fag to do. That's the <laughs> truth. Um, the other thing that the other thing she used to make sometimes, which is another thing you hardly ever see now because it's a, a, a pain to do, which is um, she used to either make um, suet pudding, beef suet pudding, which mm-hmm. is you use a suet pastry and put your casserole mix in it and cook it, or um, She'd do a sweet one, like an apple, kind of somewhere between an apple dumpling and an apple suet pudding. Hmm. Okay. Which is, so you, you get your suet pastry and you stuff it with apples and raisins and mm-hmm. spices and, and then cook that and um, serve that as a, a dessert, which was always something mm-hmm. that I remember. I yeah. spe- if I ate it now, I'd be going like, <laughs> yeah, probably. It's like dodgy, dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you, like, did you? cook with your grandma or was that more like she was cooking and you were off doing something on your own uh yeah i mean i remember doing things like helping to peel carrots and potatoes Mm -hmm. but i mean i i would have been about four or five Mm -hmm. at that time so um no i didn't actually cook with her as such but you helped i mean you were there you helped at least a little bit here and there yeah a little bit right yeah, they'd be like, you know, can you pass me some flour or, mm-hmm. you know, get the sugar, that you know, that sort of thing, the thing you ask small children to do so that they feel involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's it's very common and it's something, it depends on the on the person I've had, like on Foodie Flashback, I've had people that were not involved at all, like that the, they would go away and do their own thing and the parents or grandparents would cook. And then it's like people like you who, who like, at least were at some level involved. Like they were helping, even if it was little things, like as you said, passing something. Yeah, I mean, um, feeling. Yeah, pod, pod, um, podding broad beans is a thing I remember mm-hmm. doing because my granddad had um, an allotment, mm-hmm. uh, as very many people did at the time. Yeah. And we we're talking about the sort of late sixties. Mm-hmm. So my granddad had uh, in his garden. He grew potatoes and onions and uh, you know salad mm-hmm. vegetables tomatoes in his greenhouse radishes nice. mm-hmm. leeks things like that and um down on his allotment he grew things like um broccoli and sprouts and mm-hmm. cabbages and more potatoes lots of potatoes <laughs> peas broad beans runner beans of course mm-hmm. you no know, Potatoes, very important in the British kitchen. <laughs> very, very, yeah, lots of well, potatoes. In general, I, I, like, I remember very much that um, he was a big fan of a, a, a potato called Pentland Javelin. And mm-hmm. I always remember that. And I don't think you see them very often now, but um, if I see them, I always buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of nostalgia, really. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen them somewhere. Like I seem to remember that that name. Yeah, you can somewhere. You can you can see them. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's a, a javelin is not the only Pentland um, potato strain, but um, yeah, I remember him being a very big fan of Pentland <laughs> javelin. And I also remember when he um, when red potatoes first kind of appeared mm-hmm. in Britain, when everybody, you know, summertime in the seventies when we stopped eating nothing but king edwards <laughs> and he discovered red potatoes and mm-hmm. um was fascinated with desiree potatoes and their red skins mm-hmm. <laughs> i do remember that i mean it wasn't in the 70s but i do remember that as well like as a kid like purple and red and like all the different colors yeah like you know all the all the potatoes with different colored skins mm-hmm. 
I've never managed to find them because um, it does fascinate me, but you can get potatoes that actually have different coloured flesh. Mm-hmm. There are ones that are like sort of mauve inside and yeah. whatnot. I'd be, I mean, the latest thing that you get around here, um, and this is quite new, but there seems to have been a craze for coloured um, cauliflowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you get the, the and the ones with the, and the ones that are not just bobbly but have like spiral, mm-hmm. um, like floral arrangements yeah, on them. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Like it was potatoes, then I think it was carrots for a little while. Like you got all those different kinds of carrots and now oh yeah, that sort of per, per, like red carrots and purple mm-hmm. carrots and yeah yeah. And now it's cauliflower. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, at the yeah. minute I've seen I saw some bright orange ones the other day, and there were the there's the ones with the spirally tops that are usually mm-hmm. bright green. Mm-hmm. They all taste the same; they just look different. Um, mostly, yes, yeah. They're small differences, like in cauliflower. They're small differences sometimes. But yeah, I mean, but, but you know, like, they're not. They don't have any weird and wonderful flavours. They're no. just slightly, <laughs> subtly different cauliflower. No, although I'm a big fan of cauliflower personally. Me too. I like cauliflower mm-hmm. and broccoli. A yeah, lot. me too. Me too. Like cauliflower, broccoli, potatoes. Like I just like vegetables. Like vegetables are yeah, awesome. Just, yeah. Do you know general? general yeah, broad beans, runner mm-hmm. beans. Yeah, there's so much beans. Call them what you will. Um, coming back a little bit to like you, you as a kid. So I mean, you were helping out, like as you said, like four or five years old. You're helping out in the kitchen, like. Do you remember, was that interest, like, did that just interest you? Like, was that something you wanted to be part of? Was it like a social thing when you wanted to be with your grandma? Like, I, I think it was, it was just a thing that we did. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I went to my grandmother's, that's because, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about the sort of late 60s. Mm-hmm. So um, we we would go to my grandmother's and obviously, you know, me and my siblings would be in the living room playing mm-hmm. and my mum and uh, my nan would go into the kitchen. And then after a while, you know, you'd wander in there and it's like, well, you know, do you want to shell the broad beans? Do you want to have a go at peeling the potatoes? So mm-hmm. it, it, it was just part of the routine, I think. It wasn't... Um, yeah, but it's just something that was normal and you just did. Like, yeah, that was just mm-hmm. how, how it went, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once it was all kind of in the in the pan or in the oven, then mm-hmm. we'd all go into the, you know, go into back into the living room mm-hmm. and do something else, play whatever, watch, yeah. watch with mother on the TV, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's something I... I can relate to as well like that was when i would visit my grandma was the same like we would we would just live in the kitchen basically and like help out and be with her and socialize and then we would go like when the stuff was ready and was in the oven just go back to the living room Mm. so quite common Um, very yeah very mm -hmm. common here Mm -hmm. for sure like did you cook with your parents at that age at all or was that just a grandma thing Mm, no not not really um, mostly with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a bit older, um, I used to often be in the kitchen while my mother was cooking. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, that was rarely a matter of actually helping her. But I would often watch what she was doing mm-hmm. or ask her why she did certain things. Okay. So I guess I, you know, I was intrigued by it from yes. that level, but my mum was a bit, um, you know, with a family and and all the rest to mm-hmm. worry about. I think she was like, I can't be doing with that. I haven't got time for you to be yeah. taking ten minutes to peel <laughs> one potato. I need to peel the potatoes and get them in the pan. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. things to do. Mm-hmm. Not enough time. Not not time to have you fiddling around. Or alternatively, not time for you to be eating half the raw carrots while, you know, I'm peeling them and you're stealing them as quick as I'm chopping them up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it sounds like you were you were at least curious and interested in that. So I, I'm guessing that's something you just probably picked up from your grandma, right? Like you were cooking with yeah, her and I, it I just think started so. to get interesting and then you like, continued from yeah, there. And, and then, um, so I, I didn't really get, into cooking 
per se um, until I left home. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, obviously, you, you have to cook. You had to, yeah. <laughs> At least um, at that no. point. I mean, nowadays, you probably didn't need to, but if you have enough money. Well, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, but often, you know, when I left home, mm-hmm. it would be cases of, you know, you're going shopping, you're going around the supermarket, and you'd look at, I don't know, pre-prepared shepherd pie, mm-hmm. say, you know, in the ready meals. Not that there were so many ready meals back then, but they were a thing. And you would look at them and think, I'm not paying that. Mm-hmm. I could make that for, you know, I could make enough for a family for the price of that one single portion of yeah. cottage pie or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, I just start, I just started cooking mm-hmm. for myself. Um, did you at that point, like, I mean, did you know how to cook or was that still something you had to learn? Like, had you learned enough by just watching? And like, I, I think I'd learned enough. I didn't. I didn't have a great deal of difficulty with it. I mm-hmm. think because I'd watched my mother all the time and she would tell me why she was doing things mm-hmm. or I would ask her, then, no, I kind of just instinctively picked it up. I think the only thing I remember doing early on was I, I decided to cook a roast dinner mm-hmm. and people seem to think of cooking a roast dinner as like some pinnacle of achievement, but actually cooking a roast dinner is really simple. The hardest thing is the timing. You've got yes. to get all yeah. of these to finish at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it was a chicken. I bought a chicken and the potatoes and all the, you know, all the other stuff. And I read what it said on the packet about how long to cook a chicken. Mm-hmm. So I put it in the oven for what it said and I took it out and, you know, stabbed it with the fork and it was only half done and it was like <laughs> rubbish so i soon i soon learned you know what it says on the packet you know, a lot of times double it you know? <laughs> yeah exactly i'd you know i like my chicken to be cooked please mm-hmm. not yeah. you know well, i don't want any botulism thank you very much no, no. Oh, that's funny. but um yeah I, I, so yeah that was a that was a very late mm-hmm. roast dinner because <laughs> it took about twice as long as i expected mm-hmm. but uh no, I think I just instinctively had picked up enough and I, mm-hmm. I would say, right, well, I'm going to do. And, yeah, obviously you start off with relatively simple things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cook a spag bowl. And obviously my mum only lived up the road, so if I wanted to cook something I wasn't familiar with, I could just say to my mum, well, I want to do this. How do I go about it? Or, you know, how much time is it likely to take? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and she would probably and I, say... I don't know and when it's done, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As my wife says, when when it's you know, when it's brown it's cooked, when it's black mm. it's buggered. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, but, that's um, true. Yeah, it just you just kind of you know, and I just I just branched out from there. You start out with well if I'm you know, if I'm gonna make a chicken casserole what do I need to do to make it into a curry? Okay, well, mm-hmm. I use some different ingredients and I put in different herbs and spices and I let it simmer a bit longer till it's a bit thicker than a, an ordinary casserole and do mm-hmm. some rice or whatever. And, you know, there we go. So, yeah, I, I, experimentation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is a, I just taught myself one mm-hmm. step at a time. But, yeah, I had all the basics. I, I knew all the basics. I mm-hmm. was not. But, no, I was familiar with braising and mm-hmm. boiling and simmering and yeah, you, you knew how to separate eggs, and, and it doesn't mean yeah, putting them exactly, in different yeah. ends of the counter. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, I knew I knew how to do that, and mm-hmm. um, you know, the difference between folding and beating, and mm-hmm. you know, I knew all those things because I'd done all those things. Actually, yeah. thinking back, yeah, one thing, one thing I do remember doing with my mum and my grandmother was making cakes because Mm -hmm. when they made cakes then obviously you you know you'd always end up can I lick the bowl you know can I scrape (laughs) the spoon can I scrape the bowl for the cookie dough as it were but um you get roped into you know how to crumb Mm -hmm. how to crumb the flour and with the butter and how to put the eggs in without curdling it and the difference between beating it and folding it. and So I, I knew all those kind of techniques. Mm-hmm. 
What kind of cakes were you were you making or your your parents making? Um, my grandmother very much was the sort of traditional fruit cake, mm -hmm. so you know just a basic cake mix with um, mixed fruit mm -hmm. and whatever was you know, available. Maybe, yeah, usually mm -hmm. mixed fruit and peel, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, a very traditional, rich fruit cake. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think part of the reason she she was so fond of those is because having lived through the war and rationing, mm -hmm. then, you know, she liked her cakes to be heavy and sweet and yep. full of fruit and cherries and things, all the things that she'd gone without for, yep. you know, ten, ten odd years. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, and my mother was very fond of making Victoria sponge, mm -hmm. uh, which is to this day, my favorite cake. I have to admit, um, somebody offers me Victoria sponge with, you know, jam and cream in it. Then, um, that's it. I, I just like, mm. yes, <laughs> it is <laughs> or, a pretty um, good cake. you know, lemon yeah. butter cream was another mm -hmm. one she used to do. Um, and at one time she had a fascination for making coke, coconut cake which is a <laughs> I think just that a was simple a yeah i think that was a phase i i think i remember that yeah a time yeah. late 70s i think mm -hmm. it was like a it was just a basically a sort of simple madeira type cake but mm -hmm. with huge amounts of desiccated coconut and probably something like evaporated milk or something mm -hmm. in it and then you would cook it in a loaf tin mm -hmm. and it made a sweet coconutty um yeah. cake I know my, my mom has a lot of those recipes too, so I, that's why I say I think like that was probably something that was just popular. yeah, very much a thing I think mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, what other things memory-wise? I suppose the two things that I do recall was as a at Christmas time, um, my grandparents nearly always came to stay for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, my nan would like start making the Christmas cake about four months in advance. <laughs> okay, how many cakes did you did you make so that they would last until then? <laughs> oh no, no, you had to make the cake, and yeah. then it had to be wrapped up and put in the pantry and kept, mm -hmm. and and it had to come out once a week and be injected with sherry and brandy and things, okay. mm -hmm. and and it, like kept for months mm -hmm. and then it would come out the week before about a week before christmas mm -hmm. and have to be um smothered in marzipan and royal icing mm -hmm. um which as a child i i was fascinated by and be loved as i got older i found myself at christmas like taking off one small chunk of icing and marzipan and eating that and then discarding the rest because yeah. it's so, you know, yeah. once you get past about 18 years old, you try and eat that and your teeth like scream at you. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. You're so but, right. Um, You're so right. And she, yeah. she used to make um, all the Christmas puddings for the family. Mm -hmm. She used to have a big thing in about, I don't know, probably about this, about October time where she would, make about half a dozen christmas puddings mm -hmm. and they would be um done traditionally in a in a pudding bowl in um cloth with the top mm -hmm. cloth tied up and those would all go in the pantry and be kept again until christmas and then they'd be distributed to all the family a very yeah she was a very traditional mm -hmm. cook. but it also i mean it's a lot of work so i'm guessing she also loved doing that like she loved doing sure. that also I'm, for other people like because yeah i mean because yes like i say she made the cake but mm -hmm. she, she would come to us but she i'm pretty sure she made cakes for our family and um my uncle's family mm -hmm. and various other people so you know yeah i'm pretty sure she must have enjoyed doing it yeah and sounds um, like it and the other thing would my mum would always make um sausage rolls um traditional sausage rolls mm -hmm. with sausage meat and um, short crust pastry. Had mm -hmm. to be short crust pastry. And 
mince pies, of course. Sure. British yeah. mince pies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about that that I recall is that there was only like, there was a, a, a thin layer of short crust pastry, about one teaspoonful of mince meat, and then a, a very thin short crust top. Mm-hmm. And I always loved those. And now, you know, if you buy commercial mince pies, they're all like, super filled with mincemeat and i uh-huh. bite into them and have a tendency to think why did i do that that is just <laughs> like so overpowering uh-huh. and i know loads of people love it but i i guess it's a childhood thing i just no <laughs> mince pies should be thin and crispy not yeah. sort of soft and gooey and stuffed with so much mince you can hardly finish it yeah either that or or the crust is so thick that like all you get is crust which is also not oh not good yeah no that's not good no the ones yeah the ones that mm-hmm. are like oh no can't be doing that you're right yeah <laughs> yeah so um Like, was there anything else that, like, happened around Christmas? I mean, you said, like, your, your grandparents came like, came to visit and they brought, like, the cakes and stuff. I'm guessing there was also cooking going on, right? Oh, yes. Yes, there would, uh, uh, you know, in those days, um, the, the cooking would start at some, you know, stupid hour of the morning. Mm-hmm. The, you know, if my aunts were there or... Or you know whatever, all the women would go into the kitchen mm. and lock lock the doors. Basically, <laughs> no, no one else was allowed in whilst the whilst the cooking was in thing. And and obviously, in those days, um, in in England, the pubs didn't open until a certain time, eleven o'clock usually, mm-hmm. probably even half eleven on Christmas Day, and they'd only be open for about two hours. So the men folk would be sitting around, maybe with a bottle of beer, and mm-hmm. you know. And then they'd want to go to the kitchen for whatever reason and have to knock on the door. And, and you know, mm. after, after a bit, the women would come out and go, it's 11 o'clock, go to the pub and have beer. <laughs> come back and don't be late. You have to come back at one o'clock mm-hmm. you know, precisely for the dinner to be on the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can totally imagine that. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, get out from under our feet. Be gone. Mm-hmm. Be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, And then we would all sit down around this huge table and, um, you know, attempt to devour this enormous <laughs> feast. Mm-hmm. Um, what do I remember? Chicken. We always had chicken, not turkey. That was the thing. Which is better anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm not a yes. fan of turkey. I don't know why. But... No, I'm not a huge fan of turkey. Yeah, turkey makes good stir fries and it makes good stews. Mm-hmm. It's and true, yeah. uh, curries and a lot of other things but as a roast meat no mm. i don't actually rate it that highly no personally and it's a lot of trouble to cook you've got this enormous bird which you, half the time you can barely jam in the oven you know. <laughs> yeah. it takes forever mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, that alone is like a day's worth of work like just to have yeah. like that one bird and said it's not worth it like i i don't think it tastes that much better really And, and I think it tastes worse, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe, again, maybe that's my nostalgia because my <laughs> parents, at Christmas time, we would go mm-hmm. to, um, there was a nearby farm where you went to get your turkeys mm-hmm. and chickens and you would go and they'd have all these huge, and they would have especially large chickens mm-hmm. for Christmas. So they must have bred them specially to be extra large chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would get, Yeah, not as big as a turkey, but the biggest ones were as big as a small turkey. So <laughs> they were big chickens, <laughs> enormous chickens. But um, and then yeah, it would, it would be all the you know the things, the roast potatoes and the Brussels sprouts and carrots and broccoli mm-hmm. and peas, and it was always a big event, the Christmas dinner with my parents and all the all the. Um, like my aunts and, and whatnot would all bring terrines so that mm-hmm. we could have all, you know, the whole thing with all the vegetables would be in actual proper terrines and we'd mm-hmm. have proper gravy boats and the whole, mm-hmm. it was all very, you know, not something we did most of the rest of the year, maybe at no. Easter, but the rest <laughs> of the year, no, that was not how dinner was served. No. But on Christmas, that was how it had to be done. You know, mm-hmm. there was a 
whole routine about how it had to go. Yeah. And then the day after Christmas, uh, probably a lot of leftovers, right? Um, there was, I, well, we, I remember certainly as a, a sort of a, probably about 10 years old, we would eat this huge meal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then there are like, obviously after the roast dinner, there would be Christmas pudding with cream and then mince pies. And, and then we would all go in the living room and either play games or watch the TV or whatever. And, and then after about two hours, my grandmother would be go, who wants, ch- who wants chicken sandwiches <laughs> and cake? And, and, and people are like politely saying, I'm just a small piece because we're all already stuffed. We can't eat anymore. Yeah. But no, out would come these plates of, you know, chicken sandwiches mm-hmm. and ham sandwiches. And oh, no, <laughs> ludicrous, really. Ludicrous. Yeah, but it's, I mean, I think that's to this day, like in a lot of families, probably a tradition. Like the whether, yeah. whether it's like Thanksgiving in the US or it's Christmas and like a lot of you like places in Europe, it's a lot of food basically. <laughs> it's a lot of food, and then actually um, the day after, we would usually have like a cold buffet. So mm-hmm. there'd be ham and um, celery and salad and pickles mm-hmm. and um, crusty bread that sort of thing. Um, I've got an interesting story about about um, Christmas and Christmas dinner. Actually, um, when my children were small, I I one time I I cooked the Christmas dinner, and I am not one for cooking it for the middle of the day. But um, the children were small, and I went in the kitchen at sort of midday and cooked a Christmas dinner, and it it, it took about three hours, I suppose, to do it all, and I served it up, and of course, because everybody'd been eating mince pies and chocolates and crisps mm-hmm. and drinking and all that, everybody ended up kind of struggling and pushing it around the <laughs> plate. So the next year, I said, "Oh, I suppose I better think about cooking the dinner." And Jackie, my wife, said to me, "Don't bother. Don't <laughs> bother. Why don't we just have?" Mm-hmm. You know, we can have some cheese and ham and, you know, antipasta, whatever, um, and, and crackers and pickles and let everybody just eat mince pies and cake and mm-hmm. sweets and whatever junk they want and, like, just pig out on all mm-hmm. sorts of things. And, yeah, sort of around late afternoon, we had cheese and ham, like say, and bread and crackers and all that. And um, I cooked the roast dinner on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. And that's now become a tradition in our house. That's how it works. We have, like, eat whatever you like on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And, and then you don't have to keep saying to, I mean, my kids are a lot older now, but you didn't have to keep saying to kids, don't eat that. Don't spoil, yeah. your, don't spoil your appetite. Yeah. You know? And that became, which was a thing I remember from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, don't, don't, don't be eating them. Don't eat them crisps. Don't eat them nuts. You yeah. know, you'll spoil your dinner. So I just went, no, we, we decided, no, we won't do that. Let everybody mm-hmm. eat whatever junk they like on Christmas Day, and then we'll sit down and have a proper mm-hmm. Christmas feast on Boxing Day. And um, that's worked really well for yeah. us. And then we do that every year now, and that's how mm-hmm. it works for us. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's I think that's also something that I learned to some extent. I used to, like, invite whatever, 15, 20 people over and cook those, like, massive dinners, like feasts. Just because yeah. no, like no Christmas, no like real reason. I just wanted to cook, and I needed people to eat it. And I stopped doing that at some point because I was basically the entire time I was in the kitchen, I was cooking, and I was busy. And yeah, had like you're having a having a dinner party, and everybody yeah. else is attending a dinner party, and you're slaving yeah. over a hot stove. Yeah. Exactly. So I just stopped doing that, and I just said, okay, I'm just gonna prepare some snacks and some stuff, and and some stuff and whatever we have plenty of food but like basically when the guests arrive i'm done there's nothing else to do and that was so freeing because you don't have to yeah slave over everything um we our house isn't really big enough to have Mm -hmm. dinner parties as such but 
um, one thing I did learn, yeah, if you're going to have a, a people round for food, you know, and drinks and, and whatever, and an and evening, the best things to do is, is something like a, a curry or uh-huh. a spaghetti bolognese yes. or, a, yeah. you know, a, a creamy chicken and um, chicken and bacon, uh-huh. you know, and pasta thing. And you can prepare it in the day and then just have it like on a very low heat. Yep. And all you've got to do then is, you know, you can have drinks and socialise. Mm-hmm. And then when people say, shall we eat? All you've got to do is turn yep. the heat up a little bit, dole it out with a great big ladle and off mm-hmm. you go. And then everybody's happy. Yeah, And you don't have to spend hours in the kitchen. You know, you can prepare it in the morning and mm-hmm. just let it simmer. And yep. then when it's ready, serve it up. Yeah. And I mean, if pe- some people are late or whatever, who cares? Like it's just going to simmer yeah. for a little longer. Like. Yeah, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, preparing sort of super fancy food for, for dinner parties. Mm. For me, I like you, I learned that's hard work mm. and very stressful as well because yep. it's like, you know, if it doesn't all come together exactly at the right time, then you start getting stressed. You know, the meat's not quite done or the... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. hard work, or, or it gets later and later way. because like there are delays and people are late and then yeah. I mean, as as much fun as it is to to cook that, it's not worth the stress ultimately. No, I, if, you know, it's um. I work on the principle: if you want to, if you want to cook clever dishes, mm-hmm. and it's best to do it when you've just got your family and mm-hmm. you can say right we're going to do this and yes i am going to be in the you know once in a while i really want to cook i don't know salmon on crude or mm-hmm. you know something that involves a lot of faffing about um one that i a, a dish i really like and almost never do um is lasagna i never make lasagna no that's one of my common ones i like doing that. that is such you know, it's such a fag to prepare it. You know, mm. you layer in the meat and the lasagna mm. and the sauces. and So I nearly always buy lasagna. Mm-hmm. One that I do like, but I don't do it very often, is moussaka, which mm-hmm. is similar because you've got, similar. To, you've got to prepare the, you've got to prepare the aubergines and mm-hmm. layer them and then put in the meat and the sauces. And yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely, but it is yeah. such a fag to prepare it. So actually lasagna is one of the things I like to do when I have guests because you can prepare like everything, the sauces and, and, and you just have to throw it together throw it in the oven and you're done. Like it's, that's actually uh, like, because the, the sauces, they can just simmer as you said, like, well, yeah, yeah, so. I guess I, 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 I'm not one, mm-hmm. uh, as I said before the show, I'm not one for, for cooking things that take a huge amount of preparation. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of, I do a lot of one pot cooking. I've got a big stock pot, which is the cauldron, as it's mm-hmm. known. <laughs> um, and I cook a lot of things in there just by, you know, I'll throw in the vegetable, like the onions, say onions and mushrooms and garlic with a little bit of oil and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, soften them. And then I'll chuck in the meat, whatever it is. And then, Heaps of vegetables, cauliflower, broccoli, depended carrots, peas, beans, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and then um, whatever I'm using as a sauce and herbs and spices and garlic, more garlic, add more garlic. There's ne- <laughs> never enough garlic. No, never. A, a, somebody, somebody posted something on Twitter the other day saying, "What's wrong with this recipe?" And there were all sorts of answers. Um, <laughs> Something to do with the chili, I think. But mm. my reply was, it's only got one clove of garlic in it, you <laughs> animals. You know, what sort of philistines are you? <laughs> one yeah. clove of garlic. <laughs> but um, I always say, like, it, there's nothing like that, like, there's nothing that one clove, uh, or there's not, like, one clove of garlic is never enough. It should always be at least one bulb. There's yeah. nothing wrong with like, or, well, one bulb of garlic can can do what one clove can't, basically. So yeah, yeah so. I'm not sure I'd yeah. go for a whole head, but uh, you know, yeah, depends it's, on the size. You know, 
They're smaller. For, for, well, I, I tend to buy the big mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. I like to buy the, the giant ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe maybe half a bowl. <laughs> yeah, they're still good but, enough. Um, this is good enough. Yeah. Plenty, plenty of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so, I mean, my, my boy is not fascinated by cooking, but he's interested enough mm-hmm. to watch what I do and ask me questions. And so, you know, a lot of people, (laughs) yeah, and a lot of people say, you know, how are you so good at, you know, just sometimes making dishes out of apparently nothing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's a combination of practice Mm -hmm. and a certain amount of intuition. As long as you know what herbs and Mm -hmm. spices go with certain things, you can make something out of nothing almost yeah i mean you mentioned that earlier that like you like to experiment and i mean when you basically moved out you started like experimenting more and more and i think that's that's a key ingredient in that because it allows you to like to get that get that intuition really and build that up i mean it gives you experience but also the intuition to say okay this didn't work and next time you know okay like maybe (laughs) maybe the whole head of garlic is is not the right maybe that is a little bit I, I don't have many things that don't work. I'm glad mm-hmm. to say because I'm I'm pretty good at knowing mm-hmm. what things will go together. Although I did one time, um, I made a I was making a, a beef casserole, mm-hmm. and it it was meant to have um, some peppercorns in it, black mm-hmm. peppercorns. So it was going to be a sort of beef with black peppercorn stew, mm-hmm. and uh, as I like tipped thing to shake peppercorns in it the top of the tub <laughs> no. came off and the whole tub <laughs> of peppercorns went mm-hmm. in the in the pot mm-hmm. and i was, tried to sieve out as many as i could but <laughs> um yeah that one was a bit like mm-hmm. yeah a bit too much black pepper because it, it wasn't a few black peppercorns in it it was mm-hmm. swimming in black peppercorns <laughs> so Oh yeah, I know. But when we when we when we were eating it, you know, you'd have to kind of it was like trying to pick shot out of a you know out of a game bird. You were yeah. con- like trying to constantly scrape away as many. But uh, no, it was too much. I think I think mm. a fair amount of that ended up in the bin, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, but that I've, wasn't really yeah. A, yeah that wasn't so much a, a mistake as a terrible disaster. <laughs> no, I've I've done that with tzatziki once. Like as I said, like a whole bulb of garlic, <laughs> and. As much as I like it, it was a bit, it was too much. Like it was just like too, too overpowering and like. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Lesson learned. Or like I have had that with chili as well. Like just added too uh, much. Yeah, I. It's in, interestingly, I I like Indian food a mm-hmm. lot, and I cook Indian style dishes, mm-hmm. curry type dishes, but I don't like them hot. Mm. So. I I make sort of Buna style, biryani style. Mm-hmm. Um, tandoori can be hot, but I I can be, but it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. I make you know, or I'll I'll use um, like half tandoori spices and mm-hmm. half um, like masala. Mm-hmm. So you get like a tandoori masala. Mm-hmm. Um, Things like that, and yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to experiment with things like that. Mm. Um, I, I I also do a lot of kind of cheats, as it were, because I I because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, you know, um, I and also because sometimes you just I was cooking a, a cooking a, a chicken curry of some sort, mm. and I think I'd referred to. Um, a recipe and it said i'll add green lentils and i thought well i don't have any lentils so i looked in the uh i looked in the cupboard and i thought well i've got mushy peas mm-hmm. i've got mushy peas so i put those in instead and yeah. actually they're, they're a quick substitute for mm-hmm. baffing about with green lentils yeah i mean is it is it lazy or is it smart well, I don't know. Take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> initially born, initially born out of, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I haven't got lentils. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll put mushy peas in. But I found that to be an excellent substitute for, you know, mm-hmm. soaking and dry. I know you can buy 
I know you can buy green lentils, but if you yeah. buy canned green lentils, they cost you as much as a whole bag of dried lentils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't be. I'm, yeah. I'm not prepared enough. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think ahead with my cooking. A lot mm-hmm. of the time, it's all well, the time I started cooking. I'll go in the kitchen and see what I can throw <laughs> in the pan. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's why I said maybe it's also smart because I mean you know that like it's not worth it for you to have those lentils. They're not going to make it like a big difference anyway. So. Let's find something that is like easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and um, what's the other one? Uh, well, the one I mentioned before the show to you was um, I like orange glazed parsnips. Mm-hmm. Um, and a chef once told me once, you know, um, you do realize most chefs don't actually make orange glaze or anything. It's all all this, you know. You see it on the TV about mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> rinding, rinding an orange and doing this and simmering the orange juice. And it's like, no, rubbish. Nobody's got time to be doing exactly. that. Sorry. They've done get, it before, get, maybe once, but like, yeah, yeah. Get, the, get, the, get the cheapest jar of orange marmalade mm-hmm. you can find in the, in the supermarket and, you know, smother that over your, over mm-hmm. your parsnips or your, or your pork or whatever it is, your, or your ham or whatever it is you're trying to orange glaze. And, um, that will do the job and that's a uh, mm-hmm. so yeah it's I one mean, of mine Or orange marmalade and coriander mm-hmm. leaf and put it over your yeah. carrots or whatever and away you go you learn so much from chefs because as you said i mean they, they've probably done it like they, they've done the proper thing like they know how to do it that's not the same but they don't have time for it and if it's not worth it i mean if they know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next whatever four hours doing that, but it's worth it at the end. Like the, it makes a difference. They will do it. But yeah. something like that, yeah. it's a glaze. Ultimately, it's sugar. Like it's sugar with yeah, a little I mean, bit of like orange. Like this. So, like you know, I'm, I'm sure if you go, you know, I'm sure if you go to a top dollar restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's all done properly. But oh, they might go to an, do it. Like as I said, yeah. if it makes no difference, they will just skip that. Like. Yeah. And let's face it, what what is marmalade effectively but a set orange glaze? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like it's, I have I have I have friends that are professional chefs and like they have so many little tricks where it's like, oh, like don't throw that away or use this instead of that. Like I mean, I said they know how to do it properly. They can do it if they and if they ask or if it's worth it. But like a lot of times, why? Exactly. Makes no difference. That's um, why I said smart, like lazy and smart. Maybe it's both. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bit of both. You know. Um, so yeah, and I, I mean, I do. I like to do a roast dinner mm-hmm. maybe once a week, and I, you know, that's all just done mm-hmm. traditionally. I get my meat, put it in, and um, is that like a Sunday thing for you? Yeah, very much. It's usually a Sunday thing, mm-hmm. um, and I'll have. You know, pork or chicken, occasionally lamb when I can mm-hmm. afford it because lamb's shockingly expensive. But um, unless you know someone, I, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I tend to do, you know, roast potatoes, mm-hmm. roast sweet potatoes, roast celeriac. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of celeriac. Um, Me too. Roasted carrots, maybe, or parsnips, um, and then a variety of steamed vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and potatoes. And I, yeah, obviously there's roast potatoes, mm-hmm. roast potatoes. Um, and I cook my roast potatoes how my grandmother taught me to do it, which is simply you peel the potatoes and split them mm-hmm. and put them in the pan with a little bit of oil. Mm-hmm. You just drizzle them with oil and shake them. She never put garlic in with hers because, you know, mm-hmm. garlic wasn't a thing then. But um, I do. I crush up about four cloves of garlic, mm-hmm. chop them finely, and sprinkle them in the pan. Which, and then herbs, um, rosemary or tarragon or sometimes just mixed herbs, mm-hmm. give them a good shake. And then you roast them like that. No, I don't part boil them or any of that. Mm. You just roast them <laughs> until the outsides go cr- crispy. I'm usually, um, that's one of the things I'm too lazy about. I usually don't peel vegetables. I'll clean them I, and then I'll just like, I mean. It, it it depends. It depends what they are. I mean, obviously some things you have to peel. So sure, there, you would, 
Yeah, we would not sure. want to eat. Yeah, but um, yeah, but potatoes, carrot, carrots, potatoes, oh, well, potatoes. I peel for um roasting, mm-hmm. but most of the rest of the time, no. If I'm going to yeah. boil them, I just quarter them and yeah. you know simmer them. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm going to make um pureed potatoes, mm-hmm. or you know, or or mashed potatoes. I don't peel them. I just chop them up small. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I mash them with a masher, and then I get my I get my electric whisk mm-hmm. with with the flat blades mm-hmm. rather than the rounded ones. Yeah. And that will after you've creamed them with that, the <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 bits of mm-hmm. peel are shredded to nothing. Mm-hmm. So right, and you're actually getting extra fiber and vitamin. Exactly. So. That's what I, I do, do. With, with roasted potatoes. Like that's something my my grandma used to to make a lot. Uh, roasted potatoes with like rosemary and olive oil and and a crap ton of salt. Yeah. And never we never like I mean obviously wash them like make sure they're not dirty, but we never yeah. we, we never peeled them. They were just baked I like mean, they were cut up in like quarters and then just baked as is and like usually yeah. the, the the peel just falls off anyway. So yeah, if you don't yeah. like it, I mean I I. Um, I do a lot of things like potato wedges, so it, mm-hmm. you know which the, the the kids like, yeah. and um, they're quite healthy. So you get your potatoes mm-hmm. and you cut them into into wedges, mm-hmm. and then I'll I'll put them on the put them on a tray, mm-hmm. a baking tray, and I you I will um sprinkle them with salt and pepper, mm-hmm. sometimes paprika, yeah, um. Cajun spice mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, you know, sprinkle them with Cajun spice. Perfect for that. Don't don't need any oil, mm-hmm. and you put them in a hot oven, and no oil required. So mm-hmm. you know, good good for people who can't have any fatty food. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're lovely. They come out yeah fabulous, and it's um, chips. Ooh. Chips is a thing I never do. I never yeah, do I mean, chips. I can't be doing, and I, in fact, I almost I fry almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's something I learned from from one professional chef friends, and then also from Anthony Bourdain. He said, like, it's not worth it to do it. I mean, unless you're doing chips, every, or like fries, and then yes, every day, yeah, it's not worth it. Like, you have to you have I, to switch out the fat way too often for for that. Like, it's just yeah. too much work. Well. Many years ago, when um, I first moved in with my wife, mm. she had a deep fat fryer, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I never trusted them. I don't like them anyway, mm-hmm. at all. But she put some chicken mm-hmm. in it and shut the lid and lowered the damn thing down, and mm-hmm. then it the oil just foamed like mad, and all this yeah. hot oil came kind of swelling out through the yeah. filter on the top, and it was like that's that's the end of that. That's going <laughs> in the bin. Yes. Um. Yeah. No, yeah, no. no. So, um, even if I do like a full English breakfast, mm-hmm. I do um, like the sausages, the bacon, and pretty much everything goes in the oven. The waffle, you know, potato waffles or hash browns mm-hmm. or whatever. The only thing I will actually fry in a, a small amount of oil is um, eggs. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, you know, if you're going to fry eggs, easy. yeah, and you know, you're using a half a teaspoon of oil just mm-hmm. to stop them from sticking to the mm-hmm. pan and uh i tend to cook them over easy and that's that mm-hmm. but everything else is that so yeah <laughs> people call it a fry up but i don't think many people actually fry it anymore <laughs> <laughs> besides which bacon cooks far much far better in the grill or the oven than it does yes. trying to fry it yeah so. that's definitely true something something you and it does really well like I've, I've whenever I've visited, like he makes really good big, like really good sandwiches. Mm. Like so, bacon. Yeah, <laughs> bacon. But yeah, I mean, mm. uh, yes. If you if you you know if you grill it or or mm. cook it in the oven, then the fat renders out of it mm-hmm. as well. So you don't get any of those nasty chewy bits. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. H- Half cooked <laughs> bacon fat. Can't yeah. be doing with that. No. No. <laughs> so, 
So we've we've almost reached the end already. Like it's it's surprising yeah, how fast the time goes. Done, uh, done I, the time I feel like past. there were like I had a million other questions, um, but we did talk about the the cheap tricks and uh, tips and tricks that you want to talk about. So that's that's important. But there is one thing I did want like the last couple of minutes to talk about because you mentioned it in a pre-show and I found that really interesting. Your lucky pots. Oh, the lucky pots. Yeah. yeah well, because I cook in this big pot stock pot cauldron um and I, I i got that because i would constantly even the biggest saucepan i had when i'm preparing a meal i'll go right mm -hmm. i want one onion and one pepper and i don't know let's say two carrots and mm -hmm. four four heads of broccoli and four or not you know four florets of broccoli mm -hmm. and what so i'll get all and so many mushrooms and i chuck them all in there and then by the time by the time i got all the ingredients in the pan would be full and then you're trying to carefully stir mm -hmm. this thing yep. with sauce and not have it slop all over your hob. Mm -hmm. So I bought this big cauldron. So now when I cook, I just put in the amount of ingredients I want mm -hmm. and then I cook. Um, and then that means we always end up with almost twice as much as we need. Yeah. So then uh, the next day I will ladle um, – the food into uh, small margarine tubs, a sort of uh, 500 mm -hmm. gram margarine tubs. You can get about two ladlefuls in there, which is a, like a decent serving. Mm -hmm. And then I put them in the freezer um, because that's always a good fallback. If, mm -hmm. it, you know, well, I can, you know, it's got late and I haven't got time to cook or I, no. I didn't plan ahead or I did. So I, you can go and get them out, defrost yeah. them and eat them. Yeah. But I, I the reason they got, the I call that the best fast food in the world because you've cooked yeah. it, you know exactly what's in it. But they got nicknamed Lucky Pots because obviously um, I don't ever bother to label them because I'm too lazy. <laughs> and um, when you go to the freezer with the drawers that have got all these margarine tubs full of food in, you've got no idea what you're going to get. You just put your hand in, pull one out, and you've got no idea what it is until you've defrosted it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah it's a, a potluck shoot really you, you could mm -hmm. could be anything could be chicken casserole could be you know um lamb curry could be mm -hmm. beef stew corned beef hash could be anything yeah so, again lazy or smart because no, no, I mean, no, that's, that's how smart. it's a, that's how it's a, like it keeps it interesting you don't know what you're getting don't know what you're gonna get yeah no and that's um but that's that's just smart. That is mm -hmm. because you know you see all these things about how much food apparently you know like a third. Well, was it they say mm -hmm. somewhere between a third and fifty percent of food you know is wasted? Yep. And they talk about these households who say they're throwing away a third of the food they buy, and it's mm -hmm. like how how are you throwing away a third of the food you buy? You're mad. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, I know people like that, like they're like sometimes, I mean, like the, the cauliflower has like a little, like a little spot on it and they throw it out and I'm like, why? Like, it's perfectly fine. Like, it's not, it's not like moldy or anything. It's like just no. like, dark spots. Are. Well, I, well, there's a, yeah. there, I saw a, I saw a thing. I can't remember where, but it was a, oh, a clever trick with the, you know, the part of the cauliflower you throw away. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what part of the cauliflower exactly. do you throw away? Yeah. There's no the part. leaves? Nope. You know, and they would, I don't know what they were doing. It, mm. it, appeared, it appeared to me that their idea of using the cauliflower mm -hmm. was to simply cut off the white part, mm -hmm. you know, the, the actual flowers, as yeah. it were, and throw the whole stalk away. Like I all of it. I think that's how a lot of people do it with broccoli. Like they use the florets and like this, this dog they, they throw out and I'm like, why? I mean, one, you can just cut it up and, and cook it and eat it. And it's actually really nice. Or you well, can make about, something else out of it. Well, I mean, yeah. I tend to do my like florets of <laughs> um, broccoli and cauliflower. I do by snapping off the main stalk. Mm -hmm. And then if you've got a big, uh, a big stalk, if you take uh, the the tough outside of it mm -hmm. with a knife, yeah. inside there is a really nice, exactly soft piece. Just chop that up and throw mm -hmm. it in as well. Yeah, that's what I do. You know, 
what are you throwing away? Yeah, but no, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, but I know. I said, I mean, my my, my mom used to do that. Like she would, she would snap off the the florets and then throw the stalk away. And I'm like, why? Like I said, at at worst, like if you have nothing else you can like do with it, throw it in the freezer. Like I have a big tub in my freezer with like random bits of vegetables that I cut off yeah, and just make, make a, a stock. Make a stock. Yeah. But um, yeah, this thing they appeared to be want thinking that the way to use your cauliflower is literally to just shave <laughs> off the outside of the cauliflower head and throw the whole thing, all the rest of it away, not even mm-hmm. snapping off florets. Mm-hmm. You're just chucking the whole, it's like you've chucked away 90% of the yeah. food. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't. But um, no, yeah, no, waste, waste, food waste in my house is, you know, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Oh yeah, sure. If you you know, if you've got a loaf of bread and you open it and it's all gone green, yeah, then, sure. no, it's had it. But yeah, for you sure. Know, if you open, if you've got the bot back end of the loaf of bread and you take it out and there's one mm-hmm. green speck on the crust, it's like just pick it off and throw that bit away. Mm-hmm. The rest of the bread is fine, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. A bit of penicillin. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's it's that. But I know so many people that are very picky with their food and. Throw a lot of stuff away. Yeah. The, the other one that, mm-hmm. that drives me mad is you get people, it's, it's, re- it's reached its best before date, so I'm throwing it away. It's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, best before. It's still good for another three or four days. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah, don't depends, do that. Depends on what it is, but like, I mean, you will, you will know when it's bad. Like, you, if you yeah. pay attention, you will know. You know. Yeah, that's something I mean, it's like eggs. Yeah, eggs drives me mad. People, oh, oh, it's, it's reached like, its best before diet to throw it away. It's like, like months. Have you got after. any? Have you, yeah. you they would eggs keep for you know, as long as the shells aren't cracked, they'll keep for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember exactly. my grandmother talking about before refrigerators, they used yeah. to keep eggs in a, in a brand tub. Yeah, I mean, and they would yeah. keep them for months. Yeah, I mean, it's even today. It, it, that's one of the things you learn from professional chefs because in a professional kitchen unless it's moldy um, or unless I mean they have to throw it away if, if the customer has had it like obviously can't reuse yeah. food that comes back but as long as it's in the kitchen like they will reuse every bit because that is money that they're otherwise throwing money away. it's money yeah it's money that like to buy the products it's also money to like like to, to bin it because Food waste yeah, is actually very expensive for us. It is. It is. I mean, cheese, mm-hmm. cheese, the one I, I've, you know, cheese. If you've got a large block of cheese mm-hmm. and the outside of it goes moldy, don't throw the cheese away. No. You know, skim a millimeter off all four sides or, you know, all six mm-hmm. sides of the block and you've got perfectly good cheese. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially when it's like harder, like hard cheese. Yeah, and the hard cheese. They're, All right, like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not sure I'd attempt to do it with a brie, but <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, you've got cheddar or mm-hmm, you know yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. The, the mold is only growing on the outside because mm-hmm. you've touched it probably with your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just shave off the outside, and the perfectly good cheese mm-hmm. is still in. Yeah, you can still do something with it. It's not a problem. All right, it was a great pleasure having you here. Um, like. I said, time time always goes by so fast. Yeah, like it's it's so easy. Fast. We, I could probably, it, yeah, I'm sure we could easily go on for another, you know, oh, another hour without oh, blinking. At least. Easy, easy. Like I have, I've, I've noted down some questions, so we'll co- probably come back to that at some future date, like future episode. Okay. We'll, we'll do another one. Um, yeah, thank Excellent. you, thank yeah. you for being here. Thanks for doing this, well, and let thanks, the good people know. Me, let the good people know where they can find you. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, be warned, I don't only talk about tech on there, and I don't talk about food at all. Um, so you might find some political rantings mixed in there. Um, but if you want to listen to me talk about uh, mostly Apple, but also general tech stuff that catches our fancy during the week, uh, you can find us over at Essential Apple Podcast. And the links for that will also be in the show notes. So in case yep, you that's can essential, find them. Yeah, that's that's essentialapple.com and uh, you know just search essential apple on your uh, podcatcher of choice. Will do. 
You can find me um, on Twitter at casual underscore kitchen. You can find the links and everything, um, like everything I do on thepatrice.com. You can find this very podcast on Twitter at foodie flashback and all the episodes obviously on foodieflashback.com. And in case you want to be a guest on this very show, no podcasts uh, like experience required i've literally had people where like they've they've never done a podcast they have barely enough experience to do it uh they had a phone and a headset and we made it work do not care like this is not a tech podcast this is not a professional podcast this is me talking to interesting people so if you want to be on just reach out to me one of the many means is to head over to foodieflashback.com and there's a little form that you can fill out or just reach out to me on Twitter or send an email. Like We'll make it work, don't worry. Thanks so much for, to, for listening. Uh, thanks, Simon, also for being here once again. And talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.